0: The British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Hello, and welcome to a special NXT UK Takeover edition of the British Wrestling Experience on PostWrestling.com. And I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me as always is Richard Benson. Hey. And also on board for this, uh, from Spotlight from the Indie Corner, is Joe Lemon.
1: Hello. Cheers for having me, guys.
0: No, thanks for joining us again. Really appreciate you taking the time out. And, uh, I mean, just before we get into TakeOver itself, I mean, there was some major news on Thursday. British Strong Style were on Good Morning Britain to talk about how they were vegan wrestlers. But more importantly than that, they were... uh, also announcing the uh, opening of the UK Performance Centre and and then subsequently to that there was a media day held by uh, WWE, thanks for the invite there lads at the new Performance Centre as Triple H appeared with the entire NXT UK roster to showcase a new venue, and it's been rumoured that this is in Enfield in North London. I mean, uh, Benno, what was your... I mean, this has been rumoured for a while that WWE may be opening a performance centre over here. What were your initial thoughts when you saw all the videos coming out on Thursday?
2: Yeah, uh, global localisation. That's the, uh, the buzz phrase, isn't it? That's what they're going for. Is indeed. Yeah, it been... it's been like an open secret hasn't it for a while that that's what they were going to be doing triple h talking about and conference calls and the like um and yeah i think we all expected it to to happen around takeover like you say they got a bit of media from it got to to go on itv i'm sure the uh, other world of sport guys were were made up with that as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i think it's it's one of those things where obviously wwe is trying to Set up shop uh, over here. Uh, they want their wrestlers their way. Uh, for me, I mean, obviously the Performance Center in the US they would mark down as, as a as a huge success. I think a lot of the success of NXT and that Performance Center has been snapping up hot indie talent uh, as far as wrestlers that have gone. You know start to finish from the performance center to becoming big stars in WWE. It's a shortish list. You can look at people like Braun Strowman, but most of the people who've made it in NXT into the main roster have been already established. So I wonder, yeah, whether they're they're going to be going for a similar model there. Whether they're going to be, it's obviously a place they talk up as being able to. Train up athletes from other sports from scratch, and and yeah, bring in wrestlers and have them train in their style. Uh, so yeah, we probably should have all expected it to to be coming. Um, I know personally, you know, a couple of wrestlers that I speak to, wrestlers in general, are are much more are very positive, you know, on this kind of stuff that WWE are, are opening such a place, and it's I suppose from a wrestler point of view, it's somewhere to aim for, you know. Although it's not WWE proper. You know, a WWE property is within touching distance for a lot of wrestlers. So yeah, aside from maybe some of the concern, maybe the fans might have on you know WWE in- injecting themselves in the British scene uh, from a wrestler point of view, I think it's definitely seen as a very much a positive. And yeah, I think it's just a, another sign of yeah them somewhat committing uh, to, to this country and and doing more here. I think yeah, this will be the the first of many, and it's uh, it's probably. No accident that the first one's here in the UK.
1: One thing I found really interesting about this performance centre, though, is the location. So Mm -hmm. Enfield's not central London, it's north London, you know, you're sort of edging towards Essex out there. Mm -hmm. But in the way that all of the wrestlers seem to live in Orlando and the kind of metropolitan area of Orlando, Orlando's not a place that has like really expensive rents or anything, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, You look at London generally, you look at the rental prices, you look at property prices, and this is meant to be giving guys a living. And you look at the wage a lot of these guys are being paid. No way are they going to be able to afford a mortgage in that part of the world in the UK. You know, they looked maybe in the Midlands or went up north, possibly. The guys would have better opportunities to buy houses, to buy property, to settle their families, be in a better financial position. I just feel like that's really not been considered when it comes to this at all. And I wonder how happy some of the guys who have got to relocate down to London to do, I don't know, Ford rolls every day are actually (laughs) going to be about this. I feel like that's really not been brought into the the equation so far when it comes to this.
2: Yeah, I think that maybe tips the hand a little bit that it's going to be less of maybe a, a full time venture than what they've got in the US. Maybe it's something they open, you know, for weeks at a time mm-hmm. and rather than people being there permanently. I don't know if you can justify the offense. The like you say, they're the expense of both the wrestlers, but also from WWE's Doobie point of view of having it open constantly, especially like you say in an area like that.
1: What makes you think it's going to be open for sort of periods of time then?
0: Well, if you look at the trainers, I mean, mm. just to cut in there, I mean, all the trainers in that picture were all the guys from uh, NXT Orlando. So, I, I suppose oh, unless they're hiring some more trainers or moving uh, people like you, Johnny Mosses back over to the UK, then, um, yeah, they're not going to have any full-time trainers there anyway. But... um yeah, just to go to your point about Birmingham, it certainly seemed like that was a bit more natural location, especially with the uh, you know the British Strong Style guys being from there and being like you know the quote unquote top stars in NXT UK.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that would be probably the, the optimum really, but I think maybe they looked at England and thought, well, England's a bit smaller. We can make these wrestlers travel. Maybe that goes to why I think mm. it's more it's going to be more a case that it'll be run similar to most wrestling schools in this country where you can go and you can get your wrestling training there, but you won't necessarily, you know, have to live there or, you know, if you're a wrestler signed to WWE, you won't necessarily have to be there year round. Um, I guess those, those kind of things do remain to be seen though.
0: Yeah, and it's, um, I mean, obviously, like, Shawn Michaels aren't going to be coming over here, like, every sort of week to, uh, to be opening up the former <laughs> center over here, especially with his commitments in Orlando, so, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what they, what they do do with that, so, uh, but moving on to, uh, what we're here to talk about, NXT UK TakeOver, I mean, sold out from the Empress Ballroom in, in Blackpool, this is, uh, sold out pretty much instantaneously, um, uh, when tickets went on sale when they announced it, and, uh. We had a bit of a half-hour pre-show. Not a great deal happened on that, apart from uh, Jordan Devlin uh, attacking Travis Banks as he arrived in the arena, which was uh, something that was, uh, you know, going to be a major storyline going through into their match. And uh, we had an opening package taking us through the history of WUK/NXT UK. Uh, British Sports Entertainment, as uh, Nigel McGuinness was on the voiceover. And uh, we had a new song, The Prodigy, way better than that uh, shit that we've had on uh, (laughs) NXT UK for the past few weeks. And our hosts, as they have been for uh, all the NXT UK tapings, were Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness. They're live this time instead of front of a a green screen. And uh, the venue looked great here, really loud crowd, I thought, Benno.
2: Yeah, it. I mean, it, that was kind of when we talked our preview. That's very much what I expected. The venue, yeah, always looks incredible. Uh, WWE obviously did it up really well uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, I think they they got a very a crowd that was up for it and up for the event, um, and that probably should have been expected. Without quickly, this thing sold out despite you know it didn't feel like there was a huge buzz for the show either. Um, so I think that says something about the the fans who want to travel to something like this if for me it, it wasn't so much about you know who was on the card what the card was because we didn't really know any of that when tickets went on sale or you know we could we could maybe put it together from spoilers but nothing was formally announced mm-hmm. by any means i think people wanted to go for for the big event uh, to be part of of something big as as i did two years ago for the you know the very first WWE uk tournament so yeah, i think that's that's what it was it was a big tentpole event that people I think just really wanted to be part of. And to be fair, the crowd was a, a big part of this show.
0: And our first matchup was for the, it was the final for the NXT UK tag team belts. It was Moustache Mountain taking on Grizzle Young Vets, James Drake and Zach Gibson. Uh, Moustache Mountain came out in here in uh gear similar to uh, the British Bulldogs uh, so a tribute uh, to them I mean obviously it was a perfect way to get um, the crowd into it you know Mustache Mountain being the mo- one of the most popular teams on the roster and uh yeah, I mean, uh, I thought this was a really hot opener. Uh, Trent getting busted open following that uh, Drake elbow to the back of the head. Tyler Bate doing uh, double spins with Gibson and Drake on his back. I mean, Bate looked look like a complete superstar in, in everything he did in this match. and thought it was a, a really hot opener to get us into uh, the show, Joe.
1: Yeah, I absolutely loved the match. I thought it was an excellent tag match both teams have obviously worked together before in progress but this felt like a a match that had far more thought put into it maybe the matches we've seen them have in progress there seemed like there was much more of a distinct layout and a direction in the match for where they sort of wanted to go and how they wanted each guy to look in the match one thing I, I did sort of hope for was a bit of a promo segment before Gibson and Trent Seven maybe before the match but I suppose in the WWE's kind of scripted promo world the stuff they've done to get from the mic before may not have been as effective let's yeah. say in this environment so that was a bit of a shame but I've got to say like you said on Tyler Bateman I thought he came out of the match looking an absolute star and it was a nice reminder of what an amazing tag team mustache mountain are when mm. they kind of want to put the effort in and they want to show uh, what they can do in the ring it seems like they saved their big performances for NXT at this point I've sort of got no problem with that because it is the platform that's giving them the most exposure and it is where they obviously want to impress uh, to, you know benefit their careers and go further because the most eyes are going to be on them and the dynamic they've managed to establish in these big tag matches over the last year or so is great i think trent seven selling is one of his real strong points um and tyler Bate on hot tags the way that he sort of structures his offense the way he's allowed to stand out and look a star during those kind of like following on from his hot tag. I don't know if there's anyone better on a hot tag at the moment. Uh, He's been absolutely amazing this past year. There was that whole segment where he did that sort of release exploder to the floor. Um, He then did a double airplane spin and a shooting star press to the floor as well, which just looked absolutely amazing. And I was watching it thinking to myself, uh, this guy shouldn't be in this tag team at this point. He should be main event in this show because he's (laughs) certainly good enough to be in that position.
2: Yeah, he's he just he's he, you said a couple of times there that he's a star and that's that's what he is, isn't it? Um, I've got some concerns of him, you know, going further than the level that he's in just because of his promos, maybe. Um, that's yeah, where Trent, I think
0: put... Trent brings the personality, so he can absolutely affect like the them together.
2: Exactly, but that goes to what what Joe just said there that that that's such a good team for that reason. Like, I don't think I can't think of another tag team that is as good. From a point of view of you know both complementing each other's strengths, but also the weaknesses as well, because you're right, you get Trent to do that stuff, and Tyler can carry the work. And you know I, I, it's not that Trent Trent is a slouch either. I do think yeah. Again, as Joe said there, you've Trent's kind of found them in this tag team. His best work has come for me as that face in peril. I think he's perfect to take the heat in matches like this, and and Tyler's perfect to come in and and work off that and and get the hot tags. They're just a, an amazing combo, really. And I think we almost forget that, don't we? Because you know the, the likes of us, we see a lot of these guys, and a lot of the matches I see with these guys over the last year or so, I haven't been hugely fussed on. But when they're on either NXT proper or they're on in a big moment like this for for NXT UK. They just they show just how good they are, and I think the the stars as well. I think that's a big part of it. The fact that we all know how good they are, but but the fact that they've been established over these. Not many people have been established by NXT UK slash WWE UK, but these two have been really established as a team too. So it makes sense as well. They're the perfect kind of people you can put out first as proper stars i mentioned the crowd was hot from the start but you needed a match like this first to to get them going um it was shame a little bit of a shame that maybe not everything else on the show could really follow it so that was a problem but again (laughs) there's such a there's such a kind of a hot act within this bubble and they're such a kind of i don't know they're just both stars and they come across as such a such a great team that yeah they're just perfect and they are, you know, there are some negatives uh, to NXT UK and to this card that we'll go into in a minute, but Mustache Mountain and, yeah, Tyler Bates specifically are definitely success stories uh, from this. Uh, how far they can go going forward is still a bit of a question for me, um, but, you know, at this level, um, I'm being able to deliver matches like this, both here and on NXT, yeah, I'd definitely uh, call them to uh, one of the biggest successes of, of NXT UK.
1: Yeah, Trent is so genuinely likable as well, and he channels that into his selling mm. if you look at his facial expressions but also watch his hair <laughs> during his during a beatdown, his hair this sounds so odd to say <laughs> the way his hair falls and flows and worked as part of his head honestly i, I think it makes him more likable it makes you mm. a bit more the body think- type as well the fact that like, i mean that could be a negative couldn't it
2: But when he's like dying on the apron or he's dying on the outside and he's not in the best shape, you just feel sorry for him, don't you? You kind of want to get you more behind him in some ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as a result, because he's hanging out with Tyler and they're wearing the same gear, it makes him more Mm likable. And then with his fire that he comes in with, it's just the perfect combination. It's it's interesting because I think when you look at Gibson and Drake, to me, (laughs) it's all Gibson. I think Drake is just kind of there and this match for me was evidence of that i thought drake was kind of the weak link in this and looked like a bit of a bum at times did you notice the bump that drake took when he was tagged in and trent seven sort of accidentally bumped into drake as he was going into the ropes as drake was jumping into the ring did Mm. either of you guys pick up on that i I had to rewind back to work out what had actually happened there because i was wondering yeah and drake just looked Like a bit of an idiot, and there were a couple of times I thought there was sort of minor miscommunication with Drake as well. Whereas you watch Gibson, and he's he's kind of seamless. He can work with Mm. anyone. He's just great at doing sort of the fundamentals. A very functional wrestler who knows how to work in that heel role so well, and knows how to get sympathy on the guy like a Trent Seven. Whereas I think Gibson could be with anyone and the tag team would be good. And Drake for me is just sort of there. Like he's probably improved a little bit over the time that he's been with Gibson, but I just think you could put anyone else in there with Gibson and they'd be as good a tag team, to be honest to me, this is the Zach Gibson team.
2: Mm -hmm. I I, I kind of, I've turned a bit of a corner on Drake. I, I think I like him a bit more than you in his role. I think, I think, yeah, You know, as far as two individuals go, Gibson is by far and above the star. But I do think they've got a chemistry. that that, You know, Gibson had good chemistry with Josh Bodum, and he's had good chemistry with other tag team partners before as well. But I do think him and Drake have got have got something I think the timing of some of their double teams and they kind of know where each other is at all times in the ring. Yeah, I do okay. think that's that's important. And I think Drake does fill that role. Um and I do think he's he's found himself a little bit from, you know, when Progress first started using him and he just seemed a bit like an odd man out like a bit like Joseph Connors. Mm. I do think although he knows himself very much to be the the beta to Zach Gibson's alpha, I do think he he plays his role. Fairly well, um, and does add to matches like this.
0: Yeah, he worked. I think he worked well with Gibson, but like you say, there, I think um, you know he'd be floundering a lot more if he was a singles wrestler. So it will be interesting to see what happens to him if uh, you know if they inevitably split them up and uh, Gibson goes back to being a solo wrestler. I mean, uh, Benno, what did you make of them? Uh Winning, win, winning here. I mean, um, a lot of people predict Mustache Mountain were going to win, but uh, I suppose the idea is that they might be better chasing for the belts against Gibson and Drake.
2: Yeah, I suppose from, from that point of view, I mean, just talking about James Drake there, that Mustache Mountain are already established. Um, Gibson's established too, but I suppose if yeah, you wanted to maybe go against what people's expectations were and give something different and maybe establish this this other team, it makes sense. I also saw some conspiracy theories about well is you know Trent saying certain things in promos was he hinting that you know that him and him he could turn on Tyler at some (laughs) point um I don't think I ever really fully bought that as a possibility but I do think there is more you could do as a singles wrestler with Tyler and Trent um not so much with James Drake but definitely with Gibson if I was booking it to be honest I probably would have put the belts on Mustache Mountain and taken as much as I enjoy them as a as a combo where they're taking Gibson out and put them as a singles. Um, they haven't gone that way though. And yeah, maybe maybe the reason is that that they can they can chase. Um and again, it's the mustache martin are already established. They don't really need the belts, quote unquote. So, you know, maybe there's there's money in the chase as it were.
1: I was gonna ask, do you do you actually think they're gonna keep them together though? Because it seems like Tyler's stopped work in progress there. Looks like he's gonna be NXT exclusive along with pete dunn are they not maybe moving those two over to orlando and keeping trent seven in the uk possibly that makes sense, yeah. maybe going with tyler as a single here because i think to me the money is in tyler chasing pete dunn and getting his belt back possibly
0: yeah that's certainly the big rematch especially for a takeover in the states isn't it you know obviously that was one of the matches of the year last year so yeah we interested to see what they do with them and um let mean, moving on to the second match, and this was uh, the match that had all the hype going in, uh, Travis Banks against Jordan Devlin, and they replayed uh, the clip from earlier of uh, Devlin attacking Banks as he came in, and uh, the match opened, and uh, Banks hit a suicide dive on Devlin, who was making his entrance, but then Devlin responded by throwing Banks into the stairs and destroying his knee pretty much, uh, and Sid Scala came out, and Devlin got on the match, and Mike Rather saying... You know, never bet against the ace, and and Banks was being taken into the bank, and um, Siskala said that they had themselves a backup plan, and out came Finn Balor to a monstrous reception, and uh, really got a huge reaction from the crowd, and uh, I mean, this was a decent match, I can sort of see why they did it, you know, to maybe get some interest from the US fans, having Finn Balor on here, but... um, yeah, I still thought that uh, the banks match would have been a lot better for Devlin here. Yeah, um, I,
2: I mean, it's hard because I mean we, I mean just be, being honest, through the day I'd heard and you guys I'd spoken to you guys about it as well. The were rumours weren't there that this might happen, kind of uh, pe- people talking about, oh yeah, you know, Devlins in the in the country, uh, rumours of a potential devil and baller match and i didn't buy it at first because i just thought well why why would you do that i mean as far as built matches for this pay-per-view and as far as matches that had for me at least expectation as maybe being one of the better matches on the card i wouldn't have done it um so i didn't really believe it until i got closer and then yeah we got the injury angle and then it happens and yeah i just think it's really i mean poor travis banks feel bad for him kind of getting taken of the role again i there wasn't much buzz buzz going in to take over, so maybe they thought it was something they could do to to get a, a shortcut to to get some get some buzz and get people talking. It certainly seemed to work in the building, like you say. People lost their minds when when Bala came out and. It it's it, and again it's a match that people have wanted to see. People, it's a it is a. I don't throw the way around, but it is a in, in a dream match at least in in Irish wrestling circles. It's a a big deal. Devlin always gets can you know c- confused with or you know uh, compared to to Balor, but in reality, it actually happening. Yeah, I just I would rather see this with with some build. I, I would I think that Travis Banks and and Jordan Devlin going out there with the build up. And with maybe low expectations, probably had a, if anything, a higher ceiling than this Devlin-Balor match. Yeah, it was just a match that I kind of came out not 100% sure what I actually thought about it. I thought it was a, a decent match, but not blow away by any means. And just a yeah, really kind of odd thing to do, um, considering, again, the build they put into to Banks and Devlin. And didn't feel like a much of a, a vote of confidence for, for poor Travis Banks
1: i thought this was just awful i hated the whole situation <laughs> um i first of all i feel sorry for travis banks getting mm. this match uh, you know probably knocked off on a few days notice when i'm sure he'd been looking forward to it he also didn't get to go to japan to work for corporate corican That's right, uh, because yeah, this I show like was it. just before it so he's a, probably had a pretty bad week professionally mm. um i just thought the context this match occurred in was all wrong um This should be a match that is built to in some way. Um, I just thought this was the absolute epitome of WWE's moment-based booking focus. Oh, look at the moment. Look at the reaction. Balaguer. can you believe it's these two together? And it's a surprise. Yeah, like, don't consider the moment all the time. There are ways to get and create moments that don't have to be random and about that one moment. And I think they could have created some better moments if at some point they decided that this match would be a good way to actually get Jordan Devlin over because based on that Pete Dunn match, that Jordan Devlin had in NXT UK a couple of months ago, Jordan Devlin really along with Tyler Bay is one of the next guys they should be going with as the star of this brand. Um, He's had an absolutely incredible year and he should not have to suffer suffer this retrograde negative Finn Balor based bullshit heat that has taken him forever to shed. And they've just gone and they've just gone, Oh, let's just put it all back on him at this point. (laughs) So he's not going to, he managed to shed it over what it's taken him, what two years to get this shit off. And it was probably off fully really, you know, a few months ago and now it's all going to return. I thought this was absolutely regressive, short, Cited booking based around a moment and some buzz on Twitter for a couple of days following when really they could have had a proper feud and a proper match to establish and get Jordan Devlin over properly as the ace that he mm. really well and truly is. And we all know he is because we've been watching him have absolute bangers in OTT and on his odd appearances in Rev Pro and Progress, Fight Club Pro for what? over a year now and I thought this was the worst thing that probably could have happened to him I bet you thought is, the opposite as well this is probably the
0: worst match he's had in 14
1: months isn't it <laughs> agreed. Absolutely agreed. It, it was shite. I was bored watching it. I was watching it thinking, when was the last time Balor had a good match? Balor, to me, is so, so dull. Like, he he reminds me of, like, mates of mine who go and get himself a girlfriend and then shed their entire personality because they've met some new girl and they can't show him true selves in front of it. Think of the real rock and roller. And now we've got the dullest guy in the bloody room wrestling against a guy <laughs> probably... Arguably the best year of any wrestler in Europe over the last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was about to say as well. I bet you, th- I, I bet you, the logic was they thought it would help the ship Finn Balor comparisons. You know, he'll be in there with his mate. He'll lose, but he'll put in a win and effort, and then we'll show that the, they're not just mirror images of each other, and he's not just a a cheap Finn Balor knockoff. And yet, the the, ap- the if anything, the opposite's going to be true that they're going to be linked even more. I mean, it just. For me as well, I think part of it as well in the execution. I, I I thought it was fine as a match. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I've got my thoughts on, you know, the idea of doing it in the first place. I think that was a mistake. But as far as actually a bell-to-bell match, I thought it was all right. But I didn't think, it like you say, saying, it, it was anything to to write home about. I don't think that hurts Devlin too. I think he got dwarfed a little bit by the occasion. I think he, him doing his kind of low-rent, you know, foot-on-the-ropes heel stuff in there with Bala. Just kind of reminded me a little bit of his early o t t title run where he was you know they were trying to get him over as a heel and it just didn't really work and his his best role for me is as a face, and again, I just think he kind of got dwarfed here in a match that just it felt like they had loads of art. I felt like they were both really excited to do the match. You could tell I think Balor, I'm not really a fan of him either, but I do think he was more up for this than than I've seen him be in matches on the main roster, but I think with that came what felt like a million different ideas for different spots that they tried to kind of squash into this very WWE-style match um, that just, again, don't think benefits the Jordan And I mean, if anything, it felt like a match that would be much better away from the, the WWE presentation. I know we wouldn't get that, but it, it was just a match that maybe in everyone's minds is, was something of a dream match. But then, again, in execution, whether it is that the too similar or whether it is that they're trying too hard to get this Devlin heel act over or whether it's just Finn Balor in general. For me, it it just didn't. It didn't work on maybe the level um, that that expectations would have been uh, for this big match uh, in most people's brains.
1: For me, they've gone and put negative heat back on Jordan Devlin based around Finn Balor. Um, They've made Travis Banks like a mug, so they had a chance to make two stars in NXT UK on this Mm. night.
2: and Everyone will be talking about them too. If they went out there and killed it, everyone you know who doesn't follow the UK indies will be talking about Jordan Devlin and Travis Banks, and no one's talking about Jordan Devlin or Travis Banks right now.
1: Well, they're going to be talking about some shite moment. i tell you what, I was having a, a nightmare thinking of the massive smile on Jim Smallman's face backstage at that. Oh, my God, can you believe it? Look at this. Look at this crap <laughs> that he was probably doing backstage. Ah, oh, I'm fed up of this moment-style booking. It's really kind of permeated into progress as well recently, and it's just classic WWE. Look at the moments that are created in, say, OTT over the last year or so, or New Japan. And they're moments that are gradually built to and have a wider context and get people over. This helped no one out. It got you a bit of buzz on social media. Well done. Hands together. That's all it did.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, where does Devlin go here now? I mean, obviously, you got a lot... I I mean, the worst thing that could have happened would have been a complete squash match, and obviously, you got a lot of offense in for this. But, I mean, where does he go from now? Obviously, he picked up the loss here. But, I mean, where does he go from here, Benno, do you think?
2: I don't know, because, yeah, I think again logically if Devlin was presented as a face here you could have had the handshake and the hug at the end and we might have all forgot but yeah obviously Balor's got big things coming up uh, on the main roster so he was never going to lose here and yeah Devlin had to not only lose but lose to the person he wasn't supposed to wrestle um again you know it's a main roster wrestler so I suppose the argument's going to be well you know it, it, he isn't hurt by it but again that you that in itself you know shows you know what nxt uk is in the, in the grand scheme of things um i think they're probably thinking as well though and being a heel maybe he can talk his way back get his heat back come out on the next on the tv tapings that they're doing tomorrow and talk himself up and and, and get back on track um but yeah i think they they probably went in with rose-tinted spectacles thinking this was gonna gonna help jordan devlin and I wonder if it rather than him just being in the same place tomorrow, whether it actually, in actual fact, it's maybe hurt some of the momentum that he's had uh, these last few weeks. And it does create a real problem with, with what you really do with them next.
0: So moving on to the uh, third match, we had um, two men who've been uh, battling over the last few episodes of NXT UK. We had uh, Eddie Dennis taking on bomber Dave Mastiff and a an no DQ match. And uh, for me, Dennis bossed a lot of this, didn't he? I mean, uh, they didn't, it didn't take him too long until Dennis was uh, busting the kendo stick out and busting it all over Mastiff. And I thought uh, him getting up for Mastiff for some uh, big power moves was, was clearly very impressive. But, um, I mean, everyone was laughing when Dennis eventually pulled out a table. Obviously, uh, everyone remembering that uh, match he had with Mark Andrews at uh, Wembley <laughs> for Progress last year. And then... Um, and and then, yeah, a uh, few back and forth and then only for uh, Dennis to eventually be put through the table uh, for the win by uh, Dave Mastiff. So uh, another loss for uh, Eddie Dennis here, Benno.
2: Yeah, um, not the call I would have made, to be honest. Uh, again, in our preview show, uh, I, I, I pretty much said about Mastiff, I just don't see the upsides. I think we're, we're a few years too late for a meaningful run. So I really just expected this to be an Eddie Dennis win uh, and it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I don't really get putting putting your money into Master at this point. I would say the match, I was more into it than I expected. Uh, I don't know what that says about my expectations going in, because I really, this was a feud, watching the TV over and you know, catching up on it. I didn't really feel a very strong emotional connection to. So as a match, I did feel like it maybe over-delivered what I was expecting, but... That doesn't mean yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing somersaults and giving it five stars. It was uh, <laughs> it it was your standard WWE plunder stuff. Still, it was your generic WWE match with your steps and your kendo sticks and and all that stuff. Uh, I enjoyed Dennis getting Mastiff up for the Razor's Edge. Mastiff looking very much like a uh, Vader in his pomp. Uh, reminded me of a of a Razor and Mon Vader match back in the day. Mastiff even pulled out a moonsault, didn't he, to uh, to add to the the Vader comparisons? Yeah, the, the fans were the fans were into it as far as the big spots i think that that was was smartly worked in that way the 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 table itself as you mentioned martin did get a a big reaction Um, but i do think that again they kind of i don't think people were emotionally connected to the story they were more and they weren't really caring too much about the grudge they were just enjoying kind of the big spots so yeah it was it it was a solid enough match i definitely wouldn't call it bad um but from a booking point of view definitely questionable for me because yeah are they they planning on having Mastiff and you know higher up on the cards are they going with a push with Mastiff because I don't really know what else you do with him going forwards for me there's there's lots more you could uh, you could do with Eddie Dennis uh, in NXT UK
1: i got a theory on mastiff it'll get a title shot against pete dunn and he'll lose tomorrow and that'll be the end of it that's what i could see happening um it, it'll fill a tv title match for one week mm-hmm. of whatever the next eight weeks or whatever they're filming are going to be um one thing they didn't mention is this is this was the battle of the former teachers this match as well uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was no mention of them both being teachers um i thought in here both guys worked hard they like eddie dennis was really going for it i think this is the best that mastiff could have given us at this stage uh, i can't remember the last time i saw a dave mastiff match mm. that was comedy based that i enjoyed and you know what i enjoyed this match i enjoyed it a lot more but i enjoyed devlin versus balor which i could not believe um i had no <laughs> expectation imagine saying that and it was kind of fun um I think with Eddie Dennis as well, you maybe can tell a story with him um, forever and him lose. I've mm. seen him before, and he's very good at playing up that kind of loser card. And I think he, he's one of those guys that needs to have that um, element of legitimate complaint and baggage that he can use to get himself over maybe as an underdog. And I wonder if that's the route they're going with him here, which I don't think is the worst route to go down necessarily.
0: Um, so obviously, I mean, they must be building Mastiff up for a title shot because obviously he's been dominating on on NXT UK and obviously here again. I mean, what where do you think they go with Dennis? I mean, do you think we're gonna to, gonna to see a rehash of the Mark Andrews feud here? Just
2: see how it feels. Uh, even from like the very early promos they had him doing on NXT UK's TV, uh, they kind of had him talking up. You know his friendship with with uh, with Andrews again. I mean, it would maybe explain why Progress didn't go to rematches with that. Maybe he could go that in direction. But yeah, given what Joe said there, you, I think you're right there, Joe. I think Eddie Dennis is the type of person who can, similar to what we were saying, might be possible with Devil, and he can come out of the loss and and maybe talk his way out of it. And I suppose Mastiff, being a monster character, maybe you don't want him to to lose in his first big match if you really do think there's more to do with Mastiff, which I might disagree with. But if you're booking it, that would make sense too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, with Dennis, I think that, I think that that could be the route, or maybe a, a mid card, you know, another mid card feud in NXT UK. Uh, I just hope they do something because yeah, he's such a great talker, uh, he's a great character, he's solid in ring too. Um, I would hope that yeah, they're gonna have him rebound from this, and you know, by the time the next takeover comes around, we won't be uh, be talking about this loss.
1: It's interesting that Mark Andrews wasn't anywhere to be seen on this card as well, though, isn't it? Is he mm. injured?
2: No, it was on the uh, pre-show uh, in a tag with Flash Morgan Webster. Um, but, yeah, nowhere near the actual main card.
1: Was the pre-show, did they show that on the actual pre-show before the show?
2: No, they didn't, no. Right. Um, Andy Ogden, who, who writes the Graps and Claps blog, was uh, giving me reports from that. And, yeah, he was saying that it was... Uh, I wonder whether some of it they might use for the TV. But, yeah, he was Got in you. a tag there. And, there were, yeah, there was some, a couple of other matches
1: there, too. Got you.
0: And then um, after this match finished, the... Uh... Showed us in the crowd, Kaylee Ray and uh, Jazzy Gar- Garbert, is it you pronounce it? Um, Gabbert. Uh, oh, Gabert, is- the former alpha female. And uh, Nigel McGuinness said that they're going to be part of NXT UK. So, I mean, Kaylee Ray's obviously been one of the premier uh, female wrestlers on the UK scene for years now. And obviously she was uh, tied up with ITV, but it seems like she's free of all that. And uh, heading to NXT UK now, Benno?
2: Yeah, um... Kind of, you know, I, I think it goes to some of the rumors that have been talked about over this last week. Uh, Andy Quilden, a Rev Pro, was on his own podcast talking about the fact that uh, she missed the booking for them. And that, yeah, that the that, that she obviously had other things to do. You kind of put it in a very non-political way. Um, so we probably should have expected this. Interesting, though, yeah, because she's someone, you know, the, obviously there's the ITV World of Sports uh, element as well there. Uh, Do we read into it that that's dead now? Um, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I think... She's on
0: the tour, isn't she, at the end of January? Allegedly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I I assume not now. But I don't know how the contract situation works there. Because, yeah, I would have expected you get a uh, you know announced later on maybe once the tour's out of the way or something like that so it's a big effect for them because i thought she was a a, po- a positive part that ITV world of sport was the women's division and she was a big part of why i was positive on the the women's division for ITV world of sport so a loss for them but i do think yeah she'll she'll definitely add something to the women's division here and it'd be good to yeah maybe we can actually get a, a brit in the uh, in the title match on the next takeover uh in that case
1: it's a bit of a shame because I think we're really um, struggling for really top level female performers on the British Indies right now. And she's another one that's gone, um, unfortunately. So, shame to see her go, to be honest, because I think what WWE uh, present on the NXT UK brand has a women's wrestling feels like it's an extension of the really bad progress women's division at this point in time and this comes when wwe generally nxt for me are presenting the best women's rest in the world main roster the only thing i end up watching a lot of the time is the women's stuff um so it would be nice to see kaylee ray getting used well hopefully you know she might be facing tony storm at the next takeover uk i think that's bound to deliver because they're, they're probably the two best pick, best girls mm. in the uk scene for the last couple of years if you ask me
0: yeah, definitely, and uh, I mean, moving on to the uh, NXT UK Women's Title match, uh, champion Rhea Ripley taking on Tony Storm, and um, obviously they built up this quite a lot on uh, on the NXT UK TV. Obviously, this is a rematch from the uh, the title tournament finale, and. Um, I mean, obviously, the story going in here was uh, Storm couldn't beat Ripley, and uh, that was, you know, it was all affecting Tony's confidence. Um, But this match was a bit hit and miss for me. I mean, obviously, Ripley dominated a lot of it, and you had the feel-good moment at the end with Storm winning. But I didn't feel like it, um, like you just noted there, Joe, the women's division has excelled in WWE and in NXT. And this didn't feel like it hit the levels that uh, we've become accustomed to with uh, WWE women's title matches, Benno
2: no i mean i thought it was again i thought it was fine about i mean there's what well, we might talk we're going to talk about the main event soon but there's nothing on this card that i would say was bad <laughs> this was another match where i'd say it was fine it was decent uh i saw people you know talking about it, it as a great match i definitely wouldn't say that um yeah i mean it was it was a nice feel-good moment to see tony storm go over um she's kind of uh, you know, she was always going to be, you know, the the lead uh, baby face as far as a women's division goes for for NXT UK. I do think there was uh, Rhea Ripley. I think is, is is impressed, and I think there's more you could do with her. I think she's got a a good poise of the heel, and she's got a she's got a good look, and she comes across well. Um, I'm not as high as on her in ring from what I've seen as as a lot of other people are, and this match was probably about what what I would have expected. Um, but still, it delivered a nice moment, and it was still solid enough that, you know, again, I wouldn't call it bad and it was a decent first big women's match on, on a takeover UK and maybe by a couple of years ago standards, yeah, we'd be talking about it as a, as a very good women's match. But yeah, based on the, the standard that's on the being set on the main roster, it was, to your point, nowhere near that. Um, if again, it, it wasn't at least a, a nice moment and, and a solid little match.
1: Yeah, I think Storm's a notch above Ripley as well, isn't she? Like for me, the golfing the quality was really kind of obvious here. Um, I think Ripley's got potential though. She's I was looking at a cage match earlier and she's had less than 200 matches and about 50 of her matches have been in WWE. So she's done a lot more recently than she's done in sort of five, six years of wrestling, mm-hmm. um, if anything. So I think she's going to improve. I can see where they're going with her. I can see why they like her. She's definitely got something. I think one of the things that I was thinking when I was watching it is Tony Storm's great at selling. And mm. clearly WWE realised that, so they get Tony Storm to sell a lot in her matches. But Rhea Ripley on offense isn't like of the level of say Shayna Baszler is. And when I was watching uh, the Shayna Baszler Tony Storm match earlier this year, where Storm selling was great, the stuff Baszler was doing kept the match interesting. And while Tony Storm managed to you know create sympathy as well for herself, whereas here they sort of went for the same match structure and layout. But what Ripley was doing offence just wasn't as engaging. Um, Hopefully it will come. She's only 22. But a Mm. solid, decent match, I thought.
0: Yeah, there wasn't much to write home about with this one other than the fact that Tony Storm picked up the win. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I mean, Benno, do you think we're going to see a Ray Ripley rematch or jump straight into different title contenders for Tony? I
2: think they'll do some of that because there's no one that jumps out for me that you could go through with, with Tony Storm I know the, the Diana Perazzo match on TV was was strong and I suppose you could do some more of that with Tony um, hopefully they don't go Ginny was another wrestler that was on the uh, on the undercard that wasn't uh, wasn't televised on the takeover I really hope we don't go directly to that because mm. I think they're going to be tempted to do it um, but we've seen that enough in progress and it's never really worked for me so I hope they don't do that I think yeah rematches with, with, with Ripley I think would make sense and I think she's she's someone who that I could see them just because of, I think she comes across as a as a confident heel, even if she isn't quite you know fully there yet in ring. She's the type of wrestler that I think WWE are going to want to maybe very quickly move up and have on proper NXT or elsewhere. So I think it would be best for her to do a bit of a a run with Tony Storm and and have like a, a combination of matches there. And I think it'd be best best for both of them, and it would you know be a way of establishing the belt and and maybe having a a bit of a, a feud that you can you can sink your teeth into rather than just moving Tony Storm on this quickly.
0: And, uh, and then moving on to the main event, which was uh, NXT UK champion Pete Dunne taking on Joe Coffey. And obviously this has had tons of uh, time on NXT UK TV. Obviously Joe Coffey being the head of a faction in Gallus and then Pete Dunne being part of British Strong Style. And... Um, I mean they really were going for an epic here weren't they I mean it started off with lots of mat work done using the regal stretch and uh you know lots of work on the outside and uh I thought Pete Dunn did a lot to try and uh, you know inject some enthusiasm into the crowd early on doing moon salts to the outside on coffee and uh I mean, for me, this didn't really get going until the closing stretch and uh, I didn't think the crowd really came alive until sort of the last few minutes for me uh, when Dunn hit the bitter end and then uh, coffee kicked out and then uh, Dunn um, sort of did the finger snap and um, and coffee tapped out. But um, Benno, I mean, this seemed to go on forever and for me, I, thought, I felt this could have had at least five minutes shaved off it.
2: I've heard people talking about this as one of. Them. We've got some feedback. We're going to read on in a little while. People were very high on this match. I just, I was so bored. I was so bored for those fifth, at least fifteen minutes. Joe Coffey does not belong in main events. i um, not even at NXT UK level. I think we can say that after tonight. Really, I think he's, he's someone who he does all the little things that the agents are going to enjoy. You know, he cuts this main event droning promos adequately enough. He has these slow plodding matches adequately enough. He's doing all the little things that the, the agents and the wrestlers backstage will tell you, ah, you're not seeing all these great little things that he's doing. But from a fan point of view, it's just so boring. I've not I can't remember the last time I've been so bored in a Pete Dunn match. And I also like and, and that goes definitely for the first 15-20 minutes, but maybe I'm in the minority because I've also never seen a crowd. Will, a match into maybe being good, strong, but into changing kind of what a match was because the crowd in the building didn't seem to care for those first 15, even 20 minutes. And there was kind of that spot where there was the powerbomb on the apron and then that weird powerbomb thing off the top as well. And it was almost like the crowd woke up and realized this is the main event of a takeover. Like I talked about at the top of the show. This is a big moment. This is something that you know we're all part of and we we want to be good and the kind of, you know you can say it was the work of the wrestlers and that slow plod and build that I didn't enjoy somehow worked in in getting people into the big moments at the end of the match because it, it felt like when it got to like the double downs and a couple of the, the near falls near the ends that yeah the crowd did actually come alive, you know, against for me, the runner player of the match. Um it was just a really weird match i think even the people who were praising it would probably say it was a match of two halves because the first half again was really slow and plodding the second half it it improved but i was kind of left questioning whether it was the work of the wrestlers in the match or it was just again the crowd almost willing it to be good and willing for it to be this big epic triple h style randy orton style (coughs) main event that they, they were going for
1: for me the golfing class between these two again is insane. I think Pete Dunne should be in Orlando full time, uh, mucking in with the NXT main guys constantly. Uh, whereas I think Joe Coffey should be off in some leisure centre or village hall. What? playing Triple H in <laughs> WWF 90s tribute shows where everyone dresses up as all those guys <laughs> you see on Sky Sports because Joe Coffey is a shite imitation of Triple H. This guy is you said it best there Benno, he's not good enough to be on this stage, he shouldn't be anywhere near it. He is choked in big matches so many times think of that match with Kurt Angle as the ICW main event a few years ago in front of 6,000. Boring, didn't do anything for me at all. He had that match with uh, well, a BT gun that's kind of says it all doesn't it if you have that as your main event in front of 4000 but this was just so dull so so dull i think for me those you're talking about people saying it's a great match beto i think this is a postmodern style of working fans
0: mm. because
1: i think the layout of the match puts across epic To the fans, especially the fans in attendance who are willing on and will have a good time. Um, So you work the fans into thinking it's epic by giving it an epic uh, layout and throwing in epic moments and having kickouts of certain moves, having the other guy do the other guys move, having these kind of punching sequences where everyone can go Way! and start cheering for everyone so <laughs> it's just this postmodern form of booking a match that maybe didn't exist in a different era of wrestling but people now are used to good matches or great matches and understand maybe what a the layout of a great match is supposed to be whereas you look at say i don't know proper nxt you look at say a johnny gargano match and you look at this the golf in class the golf in the i sound like a real snob here but the quality of the transitions between moves and moments in the match night and day this was so boring. I hope mm-hmm. I'd never have to watch a Joe coffee match ever again in my life because I dedicated 35 minutes to him this evening. And he's not good enough to be in this position.
2: <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned there like uh, Gargano Champa, and they had great, they've had great matches on NXT, but I don't think that's blame. This is kind of the, the modern template for NXT. No, no, you know who is to
0: blame? It was that Shawn Michaels Undertaker match at WrestleMania 25. <laughs> yes. And they've used the same layout for every big the match since then.
2: <laughs> straining for epic aren't they just yeah. going for it, you know with are talking to each other during it and yeah that that's it it's got your michael's fingerprints all over it hasn't
1: it yeah it was just i just did not enjoy it at all like there were some big spots in there there were some big moments but man coffee is just bad just really really bad yeah I th-
2: again i'm trying to see what people you know absolutely loved about this and i think maybe it is that you know that like you said, Joe, the the new work is the old work with going into the epic stuff and going into the big standoff spot and the you know that Vince isn't watching chance, which he replied on Twitter and said <laughs> yes he is. Like it's almost again, I do feel like there's almost maybe that's that's just what wrestling is, and people get trained into reacting certain ways for big spots. And maybe if I was in the building, maybe I'd be going crazy with them. But but even then, like the the finishing sequence of the match where they did that weird top rope fall to the outside and coffee went without done. So they went back up and did it again, (laughs) which is the worst thing you can do. Mm. Just call something else lads. And then even the finish, I know Pete's been establishing that weird finger submission, but that almost felt like it was called on the fly. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but he hit the bitter end and it felt like he was talking to the ref and he was talking to coffee and they decided last minute to do that because that's just a weird finish for me it didn't play really i know there was some work in the match but it didn't really play into the the overall story of the match so yeah i'm trying to be charitable because i don't want to step on people's toes who who really enjoyed this thing but i do not see uh, exactly what it is that that you know have made people rave about this and talk about this as a as an early match of the year contender it's just nowhere near for me and I can see what they were going for, but for all the reasons Joe just mentioned and what we've said about, you know, the golfing class between Coffee and Dunn, they just did didn't manage it for me.
1: Think about the emotion that Kenny Omega and uh, Tanahashi created a week ago and how genuinely epic that match was and how they built to epic spots in the match and how they time these epic spots this just felt like they were throwing stuff in like oh, mm. do a kick out here throw this in throw that Event in tropes yeah yeah absolutely and it felt like sort of shortcutting to what people perceive as epic and uh, for me this was just one of the worst main events, It's probably the worst NXT takeover main event I can remember. I'm trying to think of one that would could be considered worse than this, and NXT takeovers usually always deliver. And I'm not saying the show was bad. I quite enjoyed the show, but this was the wrong main event for this first takeover. agreed. Yeah, I think anyone in that
2: coffee roll. I think Eddie Dennis, I think Zach Gibson. I think Jordan Devlin, I even think potentially Travis Banks. I just, I just think, yeah, Joe Coffey was, and that stable with uh, the wrong people to build these shows around, both leading into it and on the night as well. I don't know about you, Martin.
0: Well, that's the thing. They've built this stable up so much on TV, so much. I mean, where do you see him going with it now? I mean, um, obviously we'll talk about it in a minute, but I mean, it seems Joe Coffey's done as a main eventer now, especially how he got sort of like bitched out really. At, <laughs>
2: Yeah, he should be. um But again, uh, they do—they do, they seem high on these three for whatever reason. I never thought I'd see the day where Shawn Michaels is praising Wolfgang of all people in interviews. <laughs> nothing against the man, but come on, it's Wolfgang. <laughs> I mean, I just—I don't see it. They—they they, they don't look the part. They don't look like main events the three of them as a stable. They don't look like a stable, even though two of them are brothers. They just—they look low rent to me, and they should be in the mid card. So for me, hopefully it's, it's back to the mid card with the three of them. Do
1: you think there's a representation thing that's going on here? And maybe they're thinking about, oh, well, we've got the UK, mm. so we've got to represent like regions in the UK. So you've got Eddie Dennis and flash as the, and Mark Andrews, the Welsh guys. Um, I don't really think WWE really understand how Ireland works. So you've got Jordan Devlin is the Irish guy. Tucker's no longer there, I suppose. I mean, you've got these guys are the Scottish guys, possibly. I, that's, mm one of the things i've sort of wondered to myself yeah it's the only explanation i can think of
0: well obviously once that match was over the big um big name coming out of the end was a uh, walter who made quick work of joe coffee and then had a, <laughs> uh stare down with uh pete dunn so obviously you know rumors going around that walter had signed an nxt uk contract um were solidified here and uh and yeah, the uh, British European maybe World Wrestler of last year uh, now in NXT UK. About now,
2: yeah, and it's a, it's a good. I mean, I like when they do this on takeovers. Uh, give credit to them. I, I, again, personally, I would ro- I would so much rather see Walter in New Japan, but this is the path that he's chosen. Um, and I do think you know it's good that they brought him in. At least, not you know if he's going to be an NXT UK guy at the top of nxt uk it felt a little bit reminiscent to when samoa joe walked into nxt proper um although this one was uh, much less of a surprise than that uh yeah i think it had all the hallmarks of like a triple h moment too with like the the pose down between the two with neither of them saying anything um but yeah I, i think i'm high on doing it i think it again there were people high on the main event i wasn't high on the main event and this Kind of, it was a bit of a magician's trick. To okay, if you weren't loving everything on the end of this card, then this is what you're going to go away talking about. And I do think it was a good way to bookend the show. Uh, I really like the tag match at the start of the show. I might not love the main event, but I thought this was a, a big memorable moment to go off with with Walter as well. So I think it worked from that point of view. Um, I wonder about Walter in the WWE system whether he's going to be as effective as as independent Walter that we're all used to seeing. Um, but still encouraging and a, a match pete dunne and walter i mean give me that 10 times over rather than, than pete dunne and joe coffee so yeah i'm happy with it from that point of view too
0: joe thoughts so uh walter in nxt uk um I,
1: yeah I, again I, I, I probably haven't said it much on here but i'm not into nxt uk as a brand i'm into walter so he might get me he might get me watching it a little bit more i suppose um i did want to see him maybe go the new japan route but Then I think to myself, his matches with New Japan guys when he was in Rev Pro, Mm -hmm. they never kind of reached the level we all wanted him to reach, had a version him to reach. And I wonder whether he maybe even took that on himself and thought, yeah, maybe that's just maybe a chemistry issue. Maybe that's the way they work, the way I work, the way they want to work with me that just doesn't work. Maybe that is the route I should go down instead. So if he can add something, um, and he's certainly going to do a better job than Joe Coffey, then I'm kind of a bit more for it, I suppose. It's a shame to maybe lose him on certain places on the Indies as well. But hey, when I think about who's on that NXT main roster in the u.s and i think of some of the matches walter could have over there as well you know did we ever get to see walter ricochet there's an exciting match um mm. you think we could get a walter tyler bait rematch here as well if they want to go that direction we can get devlin again potentially and hopefully there'll be ott to it um i think it'll definitely add something i think they're crying out for a mm. top heel on this roster and gallus are not that and i'm not <laughs> sure anyone else they've got there can be that and I think Walter, if he's pushed the right way, I think he's got what it takes to be that. Mm. He's big fish here,
2: I think. I think that's the thing. I think you really touched on something there, Joe, with like, if if he did go to New Japan, uh, he would be the junior in the in those matches. He would be, you know, he, he, if he's in there with a Kojima, he, he he's still the younger wrestler and he's... Mm. Walter suits better being the dominant man. And I'm not absolutely confident Yeah, with some of those new Japan heavyweights further up the car, whether he would be, whereas here, and again, based on this presentation of him, yeah, I think he can be that. And there's plenty of smaller wrestlers to work with, which I think he's best with too. Um, so yeah, although again, he's a he's going to be a big beast from the Indies. As you said, Joe, I do think, yeah, there's he, he's, he's a positive going forward with NXT UK and he could shake up what has been a, a very pedestrian
1: TV show so far. He's the kind of guy they need and they need to build around, I think, if they want to get people in, invested in this product. Because the, even though the crowd were good tonight, when I've seen clips and little bits of other NXT UK shows, I've not felt the crowd are that into what they're watching. Um, and it all just feels very random. And I'm hoping there can be more proper direction because there are so many things you can do with Walter and there are so many natural feuds you can build of him as well.
0: Yeah, I think definitely to uh, reiterate what you two have said, I think Walter is a perfect signing for him, especially if they build him like uh, a lot of promotions they did last year and just have him as the uh, sort of like dominant heel. And it will be interesting to see uh, if they do him and Pete done immediately or save that for uh, a couple of months down the line. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. And, um, Obviously, we've we've talked um, about the show and obviously had a hot open, but uh, sort of all downhill from there. And uh, just expectations, Benno. I mean, what do you see uh, future for to UK? Do you think we're going to get all these block tapings uh, two episodes a week, sort of like really missable TV? Or, or do you think uh, they can build from this uh, takeover show?
2: Oh, they've got to stop doing the two episodes a week. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a hope. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I saw somebody say that the there isn't this Wednesday coming, there isn't going to be a new episode there. And I hope that's wrong. I hope it's not just a recap or takeover. I think they do need to, there is some buzz coming out of this from Walter, from the tag match. And in some circles from the main event. And I would say as well, I think we needed this as far as a product for NXT UK. Um, I think they needed it because the TV has been really flat, and I think the two two episodes a week has chased off even people like us who follow British Indies and even you know and do British wrestling podcasts. You know, where people who are just like, "Oh, do I really have to watch two episodes of it this week?" Never mind the general public. Never mind people outside of Europe. Never mind people who are watching everything else that the WWE are putting together. Um, so they've really got to stop with that. But if they, but again, I do think having this this takeover event that gave them at least for the last couple of, of shows, something to aim for. And I think going forward, it would be better that they, if they do you know, these takeovers, say, three times a year, maybe not four, uh, maybe start with three. Um, or you could do more, but at least have something that you can aim for. I think that will improve the TV going forward and make it feel maybe a little uh, less throwaway, which is what it really has felt so far in its run. Um, and again yeah maybe having a, another star like Walter when really the only stars I could see on this roster were, were Pete Dunne and the rest of British Strong Style, Tyler and Trent uh, and maybe Jordan Devlin, no one else looks like a star on this roster, lots of, lots of guys who are just a guy um, on this roster so hopefully Walter can add some star power, they'll have the takeovers going forward and yeah maybe they can they can get out of this funk because yeah you know politically i don 't love you know a lot of the things that we' doing in the in the British market, but the least they could do is make this product good, so if it 's good, maybe i 'll own a little bit less as well, so you get that positive too
0: i mean joe you 've just said there i mean you're, you you haven 't really been watching you 're the biggest fan of it, but I mean, say we had sort of like more watches with Walter in a, a better direction and and more sort of like the people who who've been excelling. On top in NXT UK, would it uh, draw you into watching it more?
1: Um, yeah, potentially. I, I don't know if I'm at a point where I'd be willing to watch full shows um, because I just think there's so much filler and so much mediocre mm. talent that kind of mid card there if anything um but yeah if we're getting walter in main events and you know they're good matches and he's doing good work there yeah i'm gonna tune in you know what i've Cherry picked out of edXT UK so far has been stuff that people have said you should watch this. So, mm-hmm. you know, people whose opinion that I trust, I'm sure I've not missed any great stuff from, I don't know, Ashton Smith and Tucker, let's just say. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if John Devlin, Tyler Bay, Walter, Pete dunn the guys that I would travel to shows to see are having some absolute bangers. Then, yeah, I'm not going to miss out on that. I'll give it a watch as much as I, you know, disagree with NXT UK being a thing in principle.
0: Yeah, I think you uh, summed that up nicely. I mean, uh, before we head out of here, Benno, you, you put a call out on the uh, post wrestling forum at uh, forum.postwrestling.com for some feedback on, on tonight's show. Yeah, definitely. we got
2: a few bits of feedback. Uh, bear with me. I'm still sick, but I'll, I'll get my way through it. Um, first bit of feedback we got was from MJ from NJ, and he said he's uh, loved having this show to watch today as he stuck to him work all weekends. said the show was strong and the crowd was super fun. For the North American fan that I am, jealous I can't see a show with this atmosphere. Mustache Mountain is a ready for main roster tag team. The perfect together and the eventual breakup story should be a real tearjerker. T- He's put the Balor was a nice surprise, even if it was telegraphed. And he's asked, do you think it, he has a better use on this brand? And would he help really elevate this brand's visibility? That's a good question. He's mentioned the early he'd trade him for Mustache Mountain on Raw. Man, that could work. Uh, he's also said that he doesn't know how he feels about two Aussies fighting for the UK title. So he wanted to ask how we thought about that. But overall, he said it was a fun show and that he'd watch future specials, although he's not. Entirely sh- sold on it being a weekly show as he's tried to binge a few episodes on the network before takeover, and they all seem the same. Yeah, that pretty much echoes uh, a lot of what we've said, but yeah, I don't know what well, you yeah, two what guys trade think. Finn Balor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> been, no yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. as far as two Aussies, fight, yeah, no no real issue with that at all. I mean, Tony Storm's basically been living in the UK now for about five
1: years anyway, hasn't she? Mm, yeah, I've got no issue with that. One thing I did note, uh, <laughs> sort of similar. Was this the whitest card in WWE history? Anyone notice that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yes. well, I just think in terms of us being an ethnically diverse country, it wasn't really represented on the show. But yeah, maybe that stood out to just me. I don't know.
2: Yeah, maybe not representative of the of the country and yeah the talent that's out there. Um, going up next then, uh, Elliot316. Elliot from London, he says... Atmosphere couldn't have been better. Crowd was awesome throughout. The Dipper and the tag match have fantastic heel heat and all the four guys worked their asses off. Bait and Seven's Bulldog tributes were nicely done. Balor mm-hmm. v Bala was a nice treat. <laughs> However, not sure it helps NXT UK bringing in main roster guys when there are many unknowns on the roster. He says the Mastiff match was acceptable, as was the women's match, and he actually thought Tony Storm was pretty impressive, but needs to work on her facials. I'm sure trainers and guys... On the roster, can help her out with this. He puts main event started slow but got better, and I have to blame Coffee. As Dunn has been nothing but great since I first saw him, and he said there was a couple of great near falls, uh, and he enjoyed the Are oh, You Watching Vince Man chant. Overall, he says it was a great event, and now he's off to watch the Desmond Wolf story
0: that Ben appeared in.
2: Indeed, Jeff, yeah, there's a quick shot of uh, of McGuinness and, and danielson at the uh, at the, the fame liverpool olympia uh, ramming each other's heads into a ring post and i look like i'm about to be sick in the background uh, covering my face yeah that was uh, that was something to experience up, and, up close and personal you might catch me on the network with that uh, up next uh, we've got chris thunder uh, from queensland australia he says it was a good show overall but he honestly felt about on par with the first nxt us special uh, arrival He says, I'm not sure if the crowd just sat on their hands or were mic badly, but they sounded quite quiet from the third match onwards. He says, while I enjoyed the surprise of Bala v. Deblin and the match deserved a better build for a teacher v. student, uh, he also puts that Master v. Dennis just felt like it went too long and why did Dunn v. Coffee keep going to the same corner to fall outside? Surely if the corner is slippery, they'd go to another corner. He then says, finally, I honestly thought that uh, Rhea Ripley would hold on to the championship until Tegan Knox was able to challenge, but he's happy for Tony Storm to win after a tough month outside the ring. And he just says that lastly, I'm glad to see Grizzly Young Veterans get the win over the more popular choice of Mustache Mountain. He gives the show a 7 out of 10. Oh, he always asks asks us a question as well, guys. He says, uh, do you prefer that NXT UK holds the takeovers in the same months as the US counterparts or should they be held in their own months? So he says, for example, the US takeovers won't be moving uh, from the big five weekends, but you could hold the UK takeovers in other months. That would certainly make sense to me.
0: Yeah, same here. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, having two takeovers this month seems like a lot of takeovers in one month. Yeah, so certainly made sense uh, moving forward if they had them on separate months. Yeah, definitely. I think
1: you can taste them out a bit better. One of the things I do lo- did like about the show, though, I've got to say on that point, was the fact it kicked off at 7 o'clock, uh, you know, Saturday evening in, 7 yeah. o'clock, and that was very easy. Not a bad way to spend your Saturday night. Very true.
2: Uh, up next, Tyler Hall from Orlando says he thought the tag match was excellent as expected. Uh, the Tyler Bates is incredible I water is wet I agree with him there he says Finn Balor was genuinely a surprise to him our match between him and Devlin's always intrigued him it was great but he really felt like it really made Travis Banks feel forgettable agreed there too uh, he says Mastiff and Dennis actually surprised me it was a great no DQ match between two big guys Dennis still needs new gear though uh, Ripley and Storm was also good didn't see Tony winning but happy for her he says lastly Dun & Coffee was a stellar main event I watch NXT UK every week and Gallus is the best thing on the show so, opinion To what we've been saying. Uh, he says he now hopes NXT UK goes to one episode a week rather than two. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, he also says for 600 days, I haven't thought of a superstar that should take the title off done. That is until the post match angle when Walter made his debut. I now think that this is how the reign should finally end, and he can't wait until Walter starts kicking ass in WWE. Yeah. That would make sense to me as well. Strap the strap up Walter and you could do a long run with him.
0: Well, I do agree with a lot of what he's saying there, other than I'd love to know his reasons why he thinks Gallus are the best thing on the show. I mean, when you've got like British Strong Style and everybody on there. Yeah, that's quite interesting, obviously. Yeah, completely different opinion to what we've said on this show. But uh, yeah, it'd be <laughs> interesting to know why he thinks Gallus are the best thing. Is
2: yeah.
1: oh,
0: maybe
2: that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, finally we go to joe from h town he says the show is worth watching just for the ballast wave pop and entrance uh, he says it was an amazing amazing crowd he also says although at times it felt like they wanted to be the show the crowd uh he did enjoy walter coming in at the end as it was just so great and then he says that he can't wait to see him do some run-ins on WWE tv fingers crossed fun show and yeah i think fun show is a is a fair way of summing it up even if uh, i didn't love absolutely everything on the show myself
0: that's a critique that you um I'm not just singling out Joe here, but that's a critique you get uh, from a lot of sort of like uh, non UK fans that uh, the British fans do try to take over the shows on these sorts of things. Would you agree with that, Bennett and Joe? Mm, I I do think there's an element to that. I think. It's... shoes off for gibson was went way that's... it was like literally the first two minutes of the match, <laughs> <Yeah>. wasn't <it>? <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny anymore and if i was sitting next
2: to someone doing that uh, you'd i mean this imagine the stench in that building when that's happening uh, i think that would me up being there live um yeah i think you've got but i do think you've got to take the positive with the negative with stuff like that i've i've given up years ago trying to police what crowds do or say or react to or cheer for or, or boo for i'll still take even if there are moments like that on a, on a show like this just look at that main event. That main event was, for me, terrible for the first 20 minutes. And if anything, the crowd were what made it more watchable. And I do think, yeah, the crowd were hop hop from the start too, which enhanced the opening match. So while there are negatives and things I'd question, I do think overall, um, yeah, the positives weigh, out, weigh the negatives when uh, when stuff like that happens.
1: Yeah, I think it's spot on, Benno. Um Sometimes, you know, I can get a little bit annoyed. Uh, the table chant was annoying me a little bit uh, <laughs> during the Eddie Dennis-Dave Mastiff match. But I sort of I get it. I get that people are excited and they're chanting something that's related to the match, at least, as well. It's when you start getting all the beach ball shite, uh, which, thankfully, I've never seen over here before. Actually, you know what I did? I sort of progressed Wembley and the beach ball got confiscated in about five seconds, thank <laughs> God. <laughs> um, that stuff can be annoying because that's just completely switch off from it. But that might be something to do with the product that's being presented as well. At least here, it's usually when fans aren't maybe necessarily into the match, they're chanting something based around the match. Look at someone like Bailey. I think she got over more because of the fans in the UK and the, the chants they invented for her gable and jordan at the same as well and it shows that they're genuinely into these guys as well to some degree so yeah it's got its positives it's got its negatives
0: yeah i agree with that obviously you know some of you know this shit finn bala chants really know me for devlin and stuff like that but like you say i think um, it creates a new unique atmosphere especially with uh some of the songs so yeah, but anyway, I mean, uh, we'll just wrap up here. And, uh, yeah, you can leave us your feedback for uh, this show on uh, forum.postwrestling.com. And uh, and also, we're now on Spotify announced this morning. So just search British Wrestling Experience on there if you're a Spotify user. And there we are. So be sure to subscribe to that as well as, uh, if you haven't yet, on iTunes. I know we're on the uh, Post main feed tonight. So thanks, John Way, for making that happen. And, uh, John Benner, have you got any plugs before we head out of here?
1: uh no I'm a man who doesn't use social media anymore so you know
2: <laughs> I'll I'll plug by to to follow me up Benson Richard a., and yeah keep an eye out for if you want to hear more of uh, me with Joe we do the uh, the spotlight podcast over on the indie corner uh, there should be another episode of that coming out in the next couple of days so keep an eye out for that where we uh, go go a bit longer uh, on Brit rares and the, the rest of the world as well so yeah you can hear more of us there on the the indie corner feed um and keep an eye out for that on the the
0: yeah, always a good listener, always enjoy that show. So yeah, be sure to check out that and uh thanks for listening. We'll uh catch you a week on Wednesday.